would be coming up the next year. And the biggest stars in Hollywood were like Eddie Murphy and Robin Williams. Mm. They were stand-up comedians. Who became actors. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. What a weird time. I forgot stand-up comedians. There was stand-up comedy at the beginning of every, or the end of every Seinfeld episode. I think both. The beginning and the end. The beginning and the end? Okay. Well, they say like, oh, that's a show about nothing. It's not a show about nothing. It's about a stand-up comedian and how he gets his material. Yeah. That's what it's and about. Crazy friends. It's like, yeah, this well, like the the crazy friends do a crazy thing, and then that's where he gets his material yeah. from. I think that's clearly the premise of the show. It's not about nothing at all. Yeah. Don't they all die at the end? No. Oh, okay. That would be a good ending, though. Hmm. I that that show. I really dislike the first like few seasons, and I really enjoy the last few. Oh, interesting. So, I don't know. I watched a lot of it with my dad dads like our ages dads say, love seinfeld dad show yeah it really does, is your dad watch it? oh my dad loves seinfeld oh i did a rewatch i'll have to mention that next time my dad sees him in the last year i rewatched it and i had so much trouble getting through the first few seasons mm. i thought it was just unwatchable and terrible and later they figured out what they were and i actually like the later ones so like, so much more fell into a rhythm yeah yeah sometimes it does take shows that's like back when they'd give shows a chance mm. Yeah. It was less about like, oh, your ratings are down. You only get one season. Bye. Well, I think it was doing very well right at the beginning. Mm, It's just I didn't like it. Mm. But this was the time where stand-up comedians roamed the land. (laughs) Like dinosaurs. Every brick wall you would see, there would be a stand-up comedian in front of it. Just just telling jokes. Interesting. Like Sinbad had multiple movies in this time. Wasn't he in a genie movie? No. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that would upset you. The genie movie Shazam? Yeah. Yeah. That we all saw as children. <laughs> Is that Mandela effect? Yeah, yeah. My sister claims to have seen it. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. We're not going to be talking just about stand-up comedians today, but we are going to be revisiting the time where stand-up comedians really, uh, really ruled, but none in this one. The heyday. Yeah. My dad did stand-up. Oh. Yeah. Are we going to keep going? No. I thought we were going to start no, the no. show. No, no. Let's start the podcast. Okay. I just remembered that. That's very interesting. Yeah. I did too. Uh, back to starting the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. My name is Indy, bombing in front of a brick wall, Randawa, and with me is Samantha, pretty woman, Randawa. Aw, thank you. (laughs) Hello, thank you very much. (laughs) And we are going to be talking about the movie Pretty Woman today. Which Indy hated. I'm not, hey, it's not that part yet. (laughs) Don't make people uh, turn off. Maybe they think I'm going to just be real mean about it. Or maybe they think you're being sarcastic and I love it. Who knows? You'll find out soon. You know when you'll find out? Right after Samantha reads this ad. And our first sponsor of the episode is the Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden, it explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant community to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how these endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe to the Well Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. All right, Sam, let's get into it. Well, you know what? This was your pick, even though it was a movie you hadn't seen and I had. So why don't you take it away? I loved it. It was amazing. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. It was so much fun to watch. It was like the quintessential feel-good chick flick, I think. So I I loved it. Indy You're this- looking at me with great trepidation. No. I'm worried that you're gonna say you hated it. Yeah, that's what Yeah. Uh so Indy, you've seen this before mm-hmm. and you said it was your favorite movie when you were sixteen. I didn't say it was my favorite movie. I said I really <laughs> I liked it way more than a teenage boy should. Okay. Um did you did it hold up? Do you still love it? Fuck, it's so good. <laughs> I love this movie. I think I like it more. Aww. I like loved it. And when we finished it, I suggested we watch it again. But you were yes. like, no, it's bedtime. <laughs> you also suggested we watch it last night. Yeah. And then we also watched it again today. So We, we recapped it We today, recapped it, Which yes. we do for most movies. Yes. But I just think it's funny. You never want to watch the movie like over again. It's so watchable. It is so watchable. I'm not going to make the argument that this is one of the best movies or even one of my favorite movies. But I will say that this is one of the most enjoyable and rewatchable movies we've done in a long time. I agree. This is a movie that if it were on TV and we still had TV and you're flipping through channels and this came on, I would sit and watch the whole thing. Yeah, I'd agree. I think this is like a fun one you can throw on while you're getting ready for something because it's like got so many charming moments and like a killer montage. Yeah. And it's not like a movie that subverts or reinvents the romantic comedy or anything like that. But it is a movie that follows that very familiar path that we know and really perfects something that we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. Like this seems like the example that you should build your romantic comedies on. I agree. It has all the same beats as a lot of other ones. Yeah. It's not terribly original. But it really distills like all of those best elements. Yeah. Cuts out a lot of the garbage. It's two hours. Mm-hmm. Feels like nothing. No, it felt like a 90 minute movie yeah. or an 80 minute movie. It really like, does. It, was, it flew by. It, like you said, it doesn't have any of the like crappy things that are sometimes in romantic comedies. And um, I think the kind of story or like the characters and who they are leads to a really nice like tight romance yeah and i also realized when we started watching it i know that i was i don't know like five or whatever when this came out but when those first five minutes of just like shots and that touchstone logo and a few songs I was like, this is my time. Yeah. And then every time a song came on, you were like, oh, the jam. Oh, shit, this is my jam. <laughs> yeah. I think you even threw your arms up in the air. One oh, well, Wooden Rock Set comes on. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, that is my jam. I don't know how to talk about this movie. Yeah. Because this is a movie that I think the best way to explain what's good about it is to watch it and go like, oh, see, this is why this is good and talk about that. But it's a much harder movie to talk about abstractly like we do on this show, except for the movies that we hate. Those we do like chronologically or the silly movies, maybe not ones we hate. But the ones that we really like, I usually go more thematic. And I don't think that fits this movie. I think this is like, it's like surface level sounds like a very it sounds insulting it but sounds it's insulting not. no but it's not a deep like deep deep movie it's not like about a war or like it's not something that you really have to think about and you get really like into yeah but you know you know who you're talking to i do you know i'm going to think about everything and yes. get really into it and of course i've done that for this as well perfect so do you think we should do it chronologically i thought there was a chance 
that we would argue about this movie. Because usually when it's a romantic comedy, you go, oh, this is great. And I go, here's why it's garbage. And I point by point it. And then you go like, okay, yeah, it kind of (laughs) is. And this time I loved it so much. And you know the arguments that I've made before against some other ones. So I was kind of hoping that you would make those arguments. (laughs) And then I would be able to shoot you down. But you kind of agree with me. I love this movie. It was so fun. But what I did do is I made the maybe mistake of reading articles about it, which I don't do very often. But I listened to, not a full podcast. I listened to like 10 minutes of probably five podcasts on it. (laughs) And I read articles that had been written in the last little while. By last while, I mean like 10 years. Right. Because it is a 32-year-old movie now? Yeah. Wow. 1990. I was two. (laughs) I was alive. Yeah. We were both alive for this We were both alive. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. But when we did something like uh, Love Actually or Bride Wars, I tear them apart. I say they're super sexist. They're super reductive. Uh, why would women like this? Because this movie thinks very little of women is the thing I would often say in those ones. And I think now you get to watch me walk the tightrope of saying how this movie where a man literally is buying a woman is in fact a feminist masterpiece. Oh, I'm excited for this. Because I have a bunch of rebuttals written is what I have. You're not going to make the argument. So I have no one to rebut. (laughs) You so I'm just going to butt. Butt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you go butt yourself. Um, you said in our Princess Diaries episodes that Pretty Woman was the same movie. Yeah. Or and like a very you see similar it now, movie. right? Yes. So if you want to listen to our Princess Diaries episodes, they're episodes 114, 115, and 116. And they are uh, fantastic. And I hadn't watched Pretty Woman yet. So. <laughs> We'll get into that stuff as well. Like, um, I think we could draw a lot of parallels between this. Mm. Clearly, Princess Diaries took a lot, but like very literally, they have actual lines and scenes. Yeah, in that one. there's like some literal things that happen. This takes a lot from My Fair Lady, from mm. Cinderella, and of course Pygmalion. Yes, and La Traviata, which we yes. kind of see in it. Yeah. But for those rebuttals that I have, should we get all the deep stuff out of the way off the beginning? Sure. And I'll just like rapid fire it. Yeah, go for it. And then we can uh, just talk about how much fun we had. Yeah. Because there's people probably like, no, this is uh, like degrading to women. How could you think it's feminist? Let me tell you how. (laughs) (laughs) So from what I read, half the people say that this is bad because the subject matter is too dark. Mm -hmm. And the other half say like, oh, this glamorizes uh, sex work. So it's not taking it seriously. So those are... Two contrary things. So one of them definitely can't be true. Yeah. I think neither are. Because if you're saying that this glamorizes the life, first, like, um, Kit's a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone was murdered and left in like, a read dumpster. Read it to the beginning of the movie. So how are you saying, like, oh, it's glamorizing no, and not showing, showing it as serious? dangerous yeah. it is. I, exactly. And Kit's always, like, running away from her boyfriend and, like, trying to, like, hide. Yeah. And also, why do sex workers in movies only have to be cautionary tales? It's not like you see movies about minor league baseball players making it and you're like, oh, well, you should show all the ones that don't make it. Yeah. It should be a cautionary tale. Yeah. Why? Most like, baseball players don't make it. Why? Yeah. Like, we societally have something really against sex workers. Yeah. And uh, when I was reading these articles, it really comes out. 
Like, why is it cool for every um, down and out male entrepreneur in a movie to make it big? Mm-hmm. And why aren't we going like, oh, well, why aren't why aren't she showing the bad sides? What about all the failed businesses? That's yeah. such a strange argument that we have to make here. And I think this movie is much more smart than a lot of people are giving it credit mm-hmm. for. I think in 1990, people are like, oh, yeah, it's good and it's fun. And that's all they have to mm-hmm. say. And then uh, 10, 15 years go by. And then we're like, oh, you know what? We're smarter than we were yeah. in 1990. And let's tell you how terrible this is. And I get that instinct. I do that for movies constantly. Mm-hmm. Looks, listen to our Love Actually movie. I think it's a piece of shit. And I don't know why people love it. But I think this movie is much more uh, clever than we realize. Like putting in uh, La Traviata, which is about a sex worker. This film is also showing that ironic contrast of how the richest people are watching this show about sex workers and also utterly dismissing her for yeah. being the same. Yeah. It knows exactly what it's doing. And I think... I think this is a dangerous argument for me to make, but I feel like if you're not getting it, maybe you just don't get it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like like a dick if you're ever saying like, oh, you don't like it, it's because you don't get it. Ooh, That's I... like the worst argument to make about yeah. a movie. Because then you could argue the movie's not doing enough of a job to help you get it. Yeah. But maybe I'll just like hammer down on those things and then everyone gets it. And I know normally you'd expect me to make the argument of, well, why does she need to be sh- saved? Because that I say that in a lot of those movies about yeah. how like the men always just come and save the woman. And why don't I have that issue in this one? Because I don't think she is. And if she is, it's clearly on her own terms. Because he puts forth an offer to save her. Yeah, and she decides to take the money and, and move to San Francisco. She says, she rejects it. She straight up says, no, yeah. I'm only going with you on my terms. Yes. And he eventually concedes. Mm-hmm. I don't love the ending, but let's not forget the last line of this movie is about her saving him. That's Mm -hmm. the last line. That's where we end on. Between them, at least. I know we have the the bookends of the guy of like, what's your dream? This is where dreams come true. Yeah, I like that. Which I loved, yeah. And the only repeated phrase we see a lot in this is between her and Kit, or sometimes just her herself, about saying like, we say who, we say when, we say how much. Yeah. There is... A repeated line stressing that they have agency in this. They, they are the not power. being saved. Yeah. I liked the that kind of aspect of like, we have the power, we're saying what's happening, and it's not men taking advantage of us. No. It's us profiting off of the fact that men want to take advantage of us. And hopefully, as a society, we're coming to that point where we're like, that's a job Sex work is work. As as any job. And in any job, you're going to do what you can to make your money. Absolutely. And it's your call. Yeah. And the unfortunate truth is a lot of people uh, go into that line of work maybe not in the best circumstances. Like it it can be a last resort for a lot of people. But that is because of like us as a world and how we we police it and treat things, not because of those people inherently being different or anything like that it's definitely one of the most accessible professions yeah because like even as down and out as you can be you can still make some money doing that and one of richard Gere's big breakthrough breakout movies he was playing a sex worker we don't see those same arguments about him. no and that's what's interesting is that it's because it's women yeah 
And throughout this movie, she dictates the way she wants to be treated. When he says something to her that hurts her, she speaks up and she demands to be treated fairly. And when he offers her the role of like mistress, she's like, no, it's like fully equal or Mm -hmm. I'm not there. Which is amazing. There's no compromise to her. So I don't think that you can make the, the argument that she is this damsel in distress that needs to be saved. Yeah, no. He has financial power for sure. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. But, but that's a big part of the world. <laughs> yeah. And she's shown that she's going to like make her money doing this so that she can have a better life. Yeah. As is the case for anyone doing any job. Exactly. I do my library work so I can have a better life. And I feel like there are distasteful things that are done in other professions that aren't judged as highly as this. Especially in his. Yes. So he, I had a whole other thing, but let's get on to this. <laughs> okay. There are multiple instances where he likens the two of them. Mm-hmm. He says like, oh, we're the same. We both screw people for money. And she's upset by that. Yeah. And the, I feel like that is the movie's viewpoint of saying like, no, we're not the same. I'm better than you. Yeah. I do something that helps people. And sure, it's illegal, but there's no victims to what I'm doing. No. You're fucking people You're over. literally like this old man who owns this company yeah. that they're trying to buy is literally trying to scrape together every single last cent that he and his family have in order to save his family business. And to save the jobs of all of those workers. Yes, and so that his nephew can take it over and so that his people have jobs still. And so I'd say that Richard Gere is a much worse profession He's a, he, Richard Gere is not a profession, yeah. but, but like he is in a way worse profession and like much more distasteful than what Vivian's doing. He harms people she does not is yeah. what it comes down to. Exactly. And I think the movie takes that viewpoint. Yeah. Because they have her react distastefully to every time he likens the two of them. She doesn't say too much, but on her face, you can tell that, like, no, we're not the same. You don't produce anything. You don't make anything. You're just selling it for parts. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's like she likens it to stealing cars for parts. Yeah, stealing. Yeah. Not buying, stealing. stealing and then selling for more money, which is, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. And then there's the argument that a lot of people make about, like, oh, why is she the only one that's worthy of being saved? First, she's not saved. I made that argument already. Yeah. But I think the romantic could say that, well, they found love. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a savior. It's like they found love together. In like a place, a hopeless place. <laughs> as soon as that sentence was coming out of my mouth, all I could think of was Rihanna. Yeah. Um, so like they went into it not expecting this and it kind of took them by surprise. So it's not like she was like, dating men in order to like get one of them to be her sugar daddy or something yeah they just truly did find love in a hopeless place they did but then even if you're not a romantic and you're a pragmatist she manufactured and negotiated this deal Uh so then that should be applauded as well yeah and like i don't know what you would want if just every sex worker to like win in this movie it's it's her story it's her movie but she also gives kit a bunch of money yeah she does what she can she does what she can for her friend who is not in the best place herself and she's able to like 
help her and to like kind of share the wealth. So she yeah. does help the other yeah. sex worker in her life. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I think if you think everybody deserves saving, I think everybody kind of was saved. She's saving as many as she can. Yeah. Giving them the tools to save themselves. Perhaps. Exactly. And then there are other parts which are kind of lessons that I'm directly opposed to. But even when those ones come up in this movie, they have a certain like level of cynical truth to them. Like how she's not really accepted by anyone until she conforms to their outward appearance standards, mm -hmm. right? And the appearance of having money and being a part of this capitalist society is the most important thing for yeah. her to, to be accepted. And that's like a pretty fucked up take for a movie to have. Oh, extremely. It's also a pretty accurate take. Like, yeah. that is, for better or worse, yes, that's how it is. If you look poor, you will be treated worse in the world. Oh, absolutely. If you look rich, you will be treated better. Yeah. I don't know if the movie is saying, like, yeah, good, that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. It's just saying, like, that's how it is. That is how it is. And I've experienced that. You can't argue that. that. That's the truth. Yeah, no, it's it's something that you experience on, like, a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. What you can say is that within this established structure that the movie and, like, indeed our own world are in, she does what she can for herself. Mm -hmm. She goes in, kind of understands that world, infiltrates it, and uses it to her own benefit. Mm -hmm. And if you're, like, anyone who ever had a um, glittery mug with a hashtag boss bitch on it, <laughs> and then you say that this isn't feminism, because this is, this, this is boss bitch shit right yeah. here. <laughs> I kind of hate all of that because I just don't like the, uh, I don't like bosses in general. <laughs> I don't like power structures. Yeah, fair. But they exist, and this movie exists in, in our world, mm -hmm. and it, she's using those as best she can. Because it is uh, like wealth-driven societal structures. Or you could say that this movie is kind of glorifying these 80s Wall Street guys. Because this is a very 80s movie. It, it is. is 1990, but it has kind of all of that 80s energy going yeah. into it. All that late 80s stuff. So you could say that uh, Wall Street guys like him are glorified or shown in a good light but we have that line about uh both screwing people for money so yeah he screws people for money that's a point of the movie yeah it's also a point of his character growth that he stops doing that yeah he's like let's make something together so i don't know if it glorifies it only in the sense that it shows that because of what he has done he has a lot of money mm -hmm. which is also just the how the world is yeah people who do terrible stuff have a lot of money but it's also mm -hmm. nice because he learns a lesson yeah. In the movie. So if anything, I think it's maybe not as strong as some of those other points, but it is doing its part to kind of remove any of the positive aspects we might think about, at least ethically, because we are told what he's doing is bad. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like dive deep into that, but it's not his movie. No. It's, it's her movie. Yeah. And he's just kind of along for the ride. And I think that's one of the weaker points. I don't think it's particularly strong when it comes to his character, because... Mm -hmm. You know what? You have such a great lead in what Julia Roberts is doing that it, Richard Gere's stuff kind of falls as a secondary plot. Yeah. And, like, you know, that happens. But I'd also argue that they had, like, they gave equal amounts in what they had to give, I guess. Like, Richard Gere has money, and he was able to give that to Vivian. And um, 
Vivian gave him the advice and like the change of heart of I'm not going to destroy this man's company, this old man's company. I'm going to like try and make something with it and help him be successful in his family. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Richard Gere's character? Edward Lewis? Edward, yeah. Yeah, sure. Because I think, again, I love this movie. I think it's great. I think that might be the weakest point for me. Hmm. Is the arc of Edward and maybe the performance of Edward? I don't think either are bad. But when you're up against what... Vivian is going through and that performance it's mm-hmm. it's secondary it's hard, it's hard right? to to be just as good I think I liked his character um and the way he played it just based on the fact that they have these like long discussions in bed and in the tub and like about his childhood and about mm-hmm. how like this is why I am who I am and it's going to take a lot to change me out of my ways this is why I am the way I am And so I think I liked his arc a little bit, maybe a little bit more than you did, because he's able to show growth. And that's kind of what's important in a rom-com. I think it is there. I think you have to work a lot harder to see it. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that could be said about Richard Gere's performance as well. It doesn't impress immediately. When you see Julia Roberts quite early in the movie... Like, she charms you, at least for me. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I didn't find that for Mm. Richard Gere. He reminds me of... Have you seen Sound of Music? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he reminds me of Captain Von Trapp. Sure. Where he kind of warms and softens towards the end of the movie, and it's because of the female lead in the movie. And I think that his present... And when I'm saying this as an issue, it's one where I don't have the solution for. Mm -hmm. Like, if he did everything bigger, would that have made it better? Because he plays it stilted and robotic almost. Mm -hmm. He seems quite dispassionate and unfeeling for a lot of the movie. Yeah. But the upside of that is, even early on, when you see him kind of like smirk about her doing something, those have more weight because how little he reacts normally. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate that. And he seems like a character who is completely transactional. Mm -hmm. Everything is a business deal to him. Like we get to see him on the phone with his soon-to-be or then uh, ex-girlfriend and how they break up. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, today is as good as day of any. That's what he tells her. Like to move out. She's like, I'm going to move out then if you're not ever going to be home. And yeah. He said, well, today's as good yeah. a day as any. Do you want to? That's how he ends it. Yeah. He's just emotionless. Mm-hmm. And I think the arc of someone essentially growing emotions mm, yeah. is a very hard one to do. True. Because it's either going to seem like, oh, if he's like just uh, crying and stuff later on, you'll be like, where did that come from? That mm-hmm. doesn't seem earned. But I would say like everything he does and his changes definitely feel earned. But I... I think I just wanted to see a little more. Okay, that's Not fair. quite as stilted. Like, yeah. I like this idea that he is um, transactional, and that's how he meets Vivian, right? And that's how he brings her into his life past the directions part. Because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, this will be simple. This will be easy. If there's one thing I know, it's how to uh, pay for things and uh, then move on. Mm-hmm. That's That's all he does. And I think there's also something to be said about the kind of performative nature of things in this movie. 
And I I was thinking about it a little bit the other day when I was cooking and he came in and I was like talking to my phone. Yeah. I was thinking about how there's even like gender performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. She is like performing a lot of those feminine things rather than always just, it doesn't always feel like it's coming from her Being character. Them. Yeah. It's her character going like, this is what I should do yeah. now. And I feel like that's also mirrored in him. And this is what made me kind of like his character more. Maybe not like his character, appreciate the performance and the writing. Mm -hmm. Because there's a bunch of performative stuff about him. And it does get mentioned pretty clearly. Like, oh, why do you have this champagne? You don't drink it. What's the best? Why are you on the penthouse? You don't go look at the view. What's the best? You're scared of heights. Why are you in this expensive car? You can't drive it. Well, it's the best. Yeah. He thinks he knows what a rich person does. Yeah. He does all the transactional stuff, gets all of the money, and then buys all the best things. Mm -hmm. He enjoys none of it. No. So I think in addition to saying that she saves him with this kind of emotional resurgence, Mm -hmm. she allows him to maybe not find himself, because it's probably always been there, but maybe be himself. Right. Not be, like, these are the things that a rich, successful person does, so now I must do them. Yeah. Even in that first scene where he's telling her, like, oh, put this coat on, you have to cover up around here. And he's always saying, don't fidget. And at first that made me dislike his character quite Mm -hmm. a bit because he seems like he's a rich, controlling man, right? Yeah, but then you realize that he's trying to help her fit in. That, but then he also doesn't always yeah and that's what i appreciated more i wish they had played that more like she because early on when she's wearing the coat then she does the whole bit of like oh there's a run in my stockings i'm not wearing any stockings and like oh a couch for two and he doesn't say anything he lets that slide right because he's kind of amused kind of like not sure what's going on kind of embarrassed i wish later in the movie she had an opportunity to do something outlandish and him like accept it. I feel like a small thing like that would go a long way to help me accepting his character and see that he's changed. Yeah. So it's not bad, but I do think it is one of the weaker parts, his performance and that character's arc. Hmm. But it's another one where I don't have a, a great way to fix it. Yeah. I don't know how you'd fix that. I liked his character arc. Mm hmm. It definitely reminded me of Captain Von Trapp. Yeah. <laughs> Sound of Music, another one of my favorite movies. And I did like quite early on, we see these two people and like, of course, we know it's a rom-com and how they meet. They're from two different worlds. How will they ever get along? Yeah. But they don't play that much. They do in how they are shown to the outside world. Yes. But they quickly realize like, oh, we are really similar. Just in like really different, but the same way. And I think the movie is kind of making the point of, like, we treat these people so, so differently Mm -hmm. based on what we put on them. Yeah, because he's like a titan of industry. Yeah. And so he's he's great. Yeah. And I think the people who are disparaging this movie and saying, like, oh, it's just another movie where a guy comes and saves this poor woman, I think they might be falling victim to that themselves. Mm -hmm. Because if you keep saying, like, this is great, this is terrible, and then we get that outcome, that's what you're going to think. But I think this movie tries its best to show them on equal footing very often. And if nothing else, she has the upper hand more than he does. Mm -hmm. Fair. Because he needs her to be there for all of these events. Like the dinner with um, 
the dinner with James Morris and his nephew. They're like, you need to take a date. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, that too. But I was thinking more just to become a complete human because True. he's he's not that. Oh yes, I feel like she is a. Not a fully realized person because she's very young and naive, mm-hmm. but she has a sense of self that he does not. Yes. I she agree. knows who he is and she'll tell him who he yeah. is, who she is. He is, like when he talks about himself, he it's more professional, mm-hmm. right? Those are his accomplishments and that's who he is. And I think the movie's also making a point of that, about how someone's profession supersedes the person often Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of critics of the movie are putting that onto vivian's character as well even though there's a line that tries uh, its best to subvert that when they have the bit about um i never treated you like a prostitute Mm -hmm. you just did yeah i think that is brilliant and i think people have different readings on it i thought there was only one reading but like what did you take away from that line um I, I like agree with her. He is so transactional and he's like, oh, I'll pay for all your stuff and like, you'll be there for me when I need you. That is exactly what the definition of her profession is. And so I think that he doesn't realize it until she makes him kind of see it. That that probably is more correct than what I think. <laughs> like that, she that makes helps sense. him yeah. learn that not everything's a transaction, and that in order to have like a real person in your life, not just someone on call, like his uh, girlfriend. What did she say? Beckon call girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, that like hit home for me because I was like, yeah, all he needs is like a pretty face to kind of break the tension at the table and to like break up some of the business talk with like, oh, quick little witty banter. (laughs) I think that is absolutely true. What I took away initially was something a little different because I thought all the transactional stuff Mm -hmm. for her when it was purely transactional, I think she's fine with because that's her job Mm -hmm. and she, she knows and that's what she was doing. I think when she says, um, you just did treat me like a prostitute, yeah. what she's referring to in my mind is when he says, I never treated you like a prostitute. Yeah. He's saying there is a way to treat prostitutes. Mm-hmm. And that is what gets her. Yeah. Because she's saying like, oh, so you, I'm not equal to you. No, I'm That's what you're you. saying. Yeah. You're saying that there is a way people like me should be treated. And you never did that. But you acknowledging that there are different ways for the two of us to be treated, that is your crime. Yeah. Not the fact that you're paying me money for sex, because that's that's something they're both agreeing to. Yeah. I think it's that he, in his mind, thinks that they're not equal. Mm-hmm. And she forgets that a lot of the time, because it, it's not apparent a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But in that case, it was. And I think, I think that's why that part was brilliant. Yeah. I agree. It reminded me a lot of, I'm just going to like reference nine other movies, um, of like the Henry Higgins part oh, yeah. in My Fair Lady where she's like, I was just like your prize. Like, go accept your prize. I was perfect. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about some of those other references. Yeah. Of course, uh, Princess Diaries, 
same director, so much no. returning cast. Okay, so I spent the entire time we were watching this being like, oh, she plays da-da-da, and yeah. he plays da-da-da, and like, I recognize him, he plays this. Yeah. Hector Elizondo, who's in all of Gary Marshall's movies, I his daughter him. who was in it. We'll talk about him soon. <laughs> and the manager at the store who plays Paolo, and then there's even people who have one line in each of these movies, and it's the same line. Yes. Like the waiter? Yeah. Yeah. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Because I remember when we watched Princess Diaries, I hadn't seen Pretty Woman in like 15, 20 years, and I was like, oh, I remember these scenes, because, you know, Pretty Woman's great. It's pretty much a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then My Fair Lady, there's, of course, all the thematic stuff, but there's also, do you remember... uh, Come on, Dova. Yeah. Move your blooming ass. Yeah, when she's like, woo! Yeah. <laughs> and like screaming. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, exactly. Do you remember that? I'm doing the yeah. hand motion. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. From the world? No. So this, this is a little... This is a thing? This is a little old man indie corner because now <laughs> this is an old man thing. Arsenio Hall was like big. And it's hard to, um, to talk about how he was big because like the first, at least... A mainstream black talk show host, mm-hmm. a late night at least, and one of his things was, it was like a, a marketing strategy, I guess, that he had a hand sign for his show, so fans in the show would. I'm doing this motion where my um, I'm kind of circling my my fist, yeah, pumping my fist, but in a circle, yeah, and he go, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> that's a thing, and that's what his audience would do, and. From there, it like went out into the world and people would just celebrate like that. If yeah. someone did something good, you would do this. Oh. Isn't that weird that a talk show hand sign just went into the world and then made it into a yeah. pretty woman? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I liked that kind of parallel. Because yeah. she is like... The horse race to the polo match. Yeah, she's her. still very unpolished at this point mm-hmm. she's trying you can yeah. really see that she's trying but then it comes out but then it comes out she lets her guard down she starts having fun and mm-hmm. she kind of forgets herself yeah or what she's supposed to be doing so i found it really interesting um and i loved those moments where she was kind of let some personality out yeah and like i loved everyone's like shocked expressions when <laughs> she did that like all of the people in the lobby yeah, when yeah. she'd walk through in one of her outfits it was like, oh my God, who is that? Why is she in the hotel? So clearly that's a thing they're doing. But when she's shopping on Rodeo Drive in her before outfit, you see people looking at her. Yeah. And then when she's all fancy, you see people looking at her as well. I was watching it the second time and realizing the looks don't seem different. Is it us putting it on it that like, oh, at the beginning, they were all disgusted with her. And at the end, they're like, oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Or were they just like, there's a pretty woman? Um, I think maybe it's more of like, oh, why are you here? Yeah. And then when In she- the hotel, for sure. It's, for sure. It's supposed to be that they think she doesn't belong. Yeah. And then I think once she has the makeover and she's wearing that fancy outfit, I think it's more like, oh, who is she? I, like, I wish I was like that kind of thing. Like envy almost. Yeah. I think I, it's less disgusted and more like envy. Later. Yeah. Sure. But I wonder if Marshall was trying to say that, like, no, the people are just looking at her and it's us who are putting that on it. Because when you look at it, 
it's her that has changed, not mm-hmm. the people looking at her. Interesting. Just a thought, maybe. I don't know. I didn't notice that when we rewatched it just now because I got like really into it again. It's so good. It's so good. So watchable. Well, let's just talk about how fun things were. Yeah. So we start off, she's getting ready. And I think that's what I was talking about, the performative nature of her her job and her femininity. Sometimes she's putting on these things because she thinks that's what the world wants from Mm -hmm. her. And that's what the world expects of her. Just as... uh, Edward does, right? He's buying all the best things because that's what the world expects for him and he needs to fit into that role just as she does. Yes. So they're both very performative, just playing the parts, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But I love that she's using marker on her boots. Yeah. That's a fun little bit. I've done that for dance shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And then how it's intercut with him driving, you just feel like, oh, this meeting is inevitable. Yeah. It's how getting ready for a date montage is usually go yeah is showing both of them but this was like the the chance meeting yeah how did you like this again formulaic has the meet cute oh it's fantastic i loved it yeah oh i thought their meeting was really funny um and like kind of indicative of her profession because she leans down and she's wearing like a very low cut top and he doesn't seem super interested in that so she turns around so her butt's against the car so he can see that and like her waist oh i didn't even catch that. yeah so i was like I bet she is trying to like hedge her bets and be like, oh, well, if he wasn't in- into the chest, maybe he'll How be into the this? butt. Yeah. Or like this slim waist and like all the exposed skin here. How about this? So I thought that was pretty cute. And then, um, how like non judgmental he is at the beginning. Yeah. Like I liked how he was like, well, if you can give me directions, like, I'll give you 20 bucks, like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. And, uh, well, he agrees to 10. And asks for change, and she just takes the 20. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he's clearly kind of charmed by her, and I liked that. Yeah, well, he says later on, but we can see the first instances of it here, of I'm not often surprised by someone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a part of his attraction to her, because sometimes I did have issues finding, like, how are they in love what is it that's they're seeing in the other one yeah but i think that's a big one for him it's everyone tells him exactly what he wants to hear yeah. always and, and the women are not. probably always like oh mr lewis yeah. like you should take me out sometime or like whatever because he has like more money than he knows what to do with because of course this movie has the power dynamics are going to be a big issue mm-hmm. he's literally buying her time yeah but they try to like soften it as much as they can at different points. And they start off very early, like with her driving the car. Yes. They're trying to change those power dynamics yeah. and show that like she's usually the most competent person in yeah. the room. Where of course there's gonna be jokes about her not knowing what's going on, but don't think that this is just some some rube from Georgia. She knows the deal. Yeah. She knows how to drive a lotus. Exactly. Like she knows how to do what is it, standard? Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, they go back to the hotel and very, very bizarre for a romantic comedy. Uh, the first love scene is just her giving him a blowjob while watching I Love Lucy. Which is hilarious. Yeah. I say it doesn't subvert the romantic comedy, but that totally does. Yeah. It it just seems so, like, normal. You know, you'd think that it was going to be, for, like, a romantic comedy, some, like, big, grand, romantic sex scene, right? But it's transactional. It's transactional. It's, like, very everyday. It's definitely starting at a very 
different place yeah. than pretty much any romantic comedy. Yeah, is exactly. And soon after this, we get maybe my favorite scene. Oh, no, probably the shopping is probably the <laughs> But one of my very favorite scenes is that bit with her in the bathtub when he is kind of paying for the week or like they're negotiating the price yeah. for the week. Yeah, so she's in the tub. They're negotiating. And there's the really fun line of, I would have stayed for two, well, I would have paid four. Yeah. That's fun. It's like a give and take on both of them. Yeah. And they're being honest with each other. Yeah. And I think the movie does a good job of keeping that power dynamic in mind and trying not to like play into it too much, trying to mm -hmm. give her that agency. So we feel like she is falling in love and not being purchased. Yeah. I think so. People are disagree with that, but <laughs> I love when she's um, singing Prince in the tub, and she, there's some real uh, Ariel vibes. Yeah, there totally that. is. She has a very... That was before this, right? That was like 88, 89? Yeah, that was like early, early Disney. We have different definitions of early <laughs> Disney. <laughs> early in my life, maybe? Golden age Disney yeah, to me. Yeah, golden age Disney. Yeah, and she really has some, like, Ariel-like... And I think there's a bit of that in this movie, Get, too. The, her red hair and, like, her in the tub. Her awkwardness. Yeah. But still, not grace, charm through awkwardness mm -hmm. is very Ariel. Yeah. There's some Beauty and the Beast in this. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of movies. Or I guess this is the same year as Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. They always have to make romantic comedy females like clumsy to make mm -hmm. them relatable. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do that. And all of her kind of fidgetiness or awkwardness seemed just to be her. Yeah. It's either who she was, because she's only like 23 when she's making this. Uh. It's either who she was or just a fantastic performance at something that is really hard to capture that accurately. Yeah. I liked that. Like I said, like the... um my fair lady moment with the horses it, it was like really charming to see her kind of slip her fancy character mm -hmm. and just like start to enjoy herself or like i can't remember what the scene was but she says something like yeah and then she goes yes please do so yeah <laughs> that was really funny so then she goes out, she has the bad time shopping with those jerks yeah what a bunch of jerks mm -hmm. But I get it. Like, that's totally a snooty store thing. I guess I don't go into many snooty stores. I used to work in a very fancy mall mm -hmm. um, selling that sold, like, some very expensive things. It was in, a like, a tower downtown. And, uh, yeah, if you were, like, not dressed appropriately or, like, underdressed in their opinion, you, like, wouldn't even get spoken to. Whoa. Yeah. Sounds like they were dicks. A little bit. Especially now and where we live. People with a lot of money are just wearing sweatpants. Yes, we were at that restaurant and there was a picture of the Oilers who had come to the restaurant like in a previous time and they're all wearing like really crappy sneakers and like sweatpants. Yeah, that's how millionaires dress. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think it's a lot more casual now. Yeah, but then there's that instance with Hector Elizondo's character, Barnard, Barney, she calls him. Barney. The part where he surprises her and phones the store and says, you're going to take care of my friend? Yeah. And right before that, you have a part which we would normally see in any romantic comedy where he's like, oh, you don't belong here. 
and you're going to move on, right? Yeah. And in every other movie, the rest of the movie would be her like trying to hide from him and him being like unreasonably angry at her for, for no, no reason. reason. Yeah. That would be a big part of it. And I love that this movie, despite starting with someone being murdered and thrown into a dumpster, shows a lot of kindness in its characters. Mm. And that was really charming because most movies, formulaic movies, tend to rely on characters being angry and upset for no reason and yeah. being confrontational for no reason. This movie shows that, like, you know what? Sometimes people are just nice. Yeah. Sometimes people are jerks. Yeah. But sometimes people are really nice. And when he has that turn because he sees her emotional reaction and then realizes that this is like a, a young woman here who is kind of out of her depth in this whole like physical environment. And, and how can trying. I help? Yeah. She tried to go do the right thing yes. and to go shop and to like get something appropriate for whatever they were doing. And so I really loved, yeah, when he starts to be a little bit more compassionate towards her and then kind of takes her under his wing. Yeah, we get to see somebody's preconceived prejudices dissolve yeah. in one scene because he's like, oh, you're here for this. It's bad for my business. And then he sees through it because this movie is so much about the performance of your profession or your gender or yeah. whatever society expects of you. And he sees through that because he gets to see a glimpse of who she is when she's not performing. She's just being herself. And he sees that and he connects with the person underneath. And it's something small. It's something really quick. But it's what separates this movie from romantic comedies that I hate. Yeah. That little bit was great. And then it leads into one of the best sequences because then he calls, <laughs> I forget what the woman's name is. Yeah. But uh, she goes over there and meets this woman who's going to take care of her. And one of the lines was, oh, he's not my uncle, meaning uh, Edward. And she goes like, they never are. Yeah. Like, she knows the deal. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. And also I like the like term of uncle and he's like you don't have any other uncles in the hotel yeah. right now and she's like no <laughs> but yeah that was sweet when the saleswoman like actually is like don't worry about it yeah we know <laughs> so that's our first little shopping bit but we get the better one later yeah and then they go back uh he edward has like a bad time at that dinner but we get the escargot scene which was fun yeah. before this we also get that adorable scene where barney teaches her table manners oh i forgot that yeah and that was completely reminiscent of princess diaries except yeah. for that it's not hector alizondo doing it in yeah. that scene it's it's julie andrews i remember when we watched it i was saying like oh it should have been him doing that <laughs> But he's like a chauffeur or something in that one? He's her personal bodyguard body chauffeur. Okay, so yeah, he doesn't have those He's supposed to be skills. head of security for Julie Andrews, and then he gets like not demoted, but kind of demoted yeah. to chauffeur slash bodyguard for um, Mia Theropolis. Yeah. And in another Cinderella parallel, he's the fairy godmother yes. of this movie. He allows the story to kind of keep moving along. Mm -hmm. And then he looks so proud. And gets her the dress. Yes, and gets her the dress. And then the next day when she walks in after shopping again, he looks so proud of her. Oh, yeah. That, that like, look on his face, it was just, like, very heartwarming. Uh, before that, we have the piano sex scene. Yes. What did you think of that? It was, it was good. I kind of thought it was great. Yeah. 
I like, think sex it was, scenes in movies usually just aren't good. Like, what can you really do it's at true. this point? It was tasteful and romantic. For a movie that, like, starts with her just grabbing his dick while they're driving and has her, like, going down on him while watching TV, it is, it gets, like, more romantic. Yeah. And I think through the sex scenes, they do a good job of growing the relationship. Yeah. I don't like sex scenes because it is one to five minutes of the plot standing still. Mm-hmm. I, uh, when I wrote a script that had a romantic plot to it, they said, like, well, you need to put in at least two sex scenes. And I said, like, what are, what are we going to learn from that? Yeah. What do we learn from that that we don't learn from them waking up in the same bed together? I think implied sex is better than a sex scene. I find it uncomfortable to watch. There's, there's that too. But in these ones, I think there is plot work being done in the sex scenes because... Mm-hmm. Uh, because of her job and the restrictions of it, like the kissing on the mouth thing, and how it starts when it's like very transactional and distracted by TV. Yeah. And we can see how those sex scenes change throughout. And that's a good indication of how the relationship is growing. Because when mm-hmm. we get to the one later on when she kisses him, that's a big thing. Yeah. So this is a, one of the few movies where the sex scenes are important to the plot. Yeah, true. Yeah, because in that piano sex scene he's like trying hard to kiss her yeah and she turns and she away says no mm-hmm. so you can really see their relationship progressing through it mm-hmm. which is nice and then we get the pretty woman montage yes with the music yeah every mia thermopolis or i i can't think of who else there's so many of these types of sequences and they all owe a lot to pretty woman yeah that's such a fun sequence. It the, was. Um, the trying on outfits. And um, there's another Princess Diaries cast member, um, the man who plays Paolo. He plays the shopkeeper um, whom Richard Gere is like, uh, yeah, I think we need a little more sucking up. And then he like starts complimenting him. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 her. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you can make the criticism, of course, that this movie is materialistic because of how how much joy the movie and us take from those sequences. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not above some escapism when it's well done. No, this is totally an escapism movie. Yeah. And it's not about, yes, gain all the money so you can buy all the things. It's like, yeah, look how good they have it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it nice when that's kind of like spread out to some people who like really appreciate it for the first yeah. time like this. And it's kind of also her being armed to to compete in this new world, yes. right? This is how you arm yourself is with all of these expensive clothes. Appropriate fashion yeah. and manners. Yeah. Yeah. I loved her little confrontation with the mean store clerk. Oh, of course. See, who doesn't want yeah. that kind of revenge of someone who wronged you or sometimes even more than is mean to you, someone who dismisses you, Yeah. right? And then she got to come in with that power, with the power that they thought they had over her. And now she has more of that, yeah. brings it in there and like throws it in their faces. And that's great. It's a great scene. Absolutely. And the lady's like, what? Big mistake. Big mistake. Big. Yeah. Huge. I have to go shopping now. <laughs> Is that your favorite scene? Yeah, I think so. It might be. It's really good. It's really fun. It's so satisfying yes yeah for anybody who's ever been judged by a store clerk that's like so satisfying Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So we talked about the polo match a little bit, but one of the important things that happens there is that uh, he reveals her profession to George Costanza. I forget. Stucky? <laughs> Philip. Stucky? Is that his name? Philip. Philip Stucky. Yeah. And then that becomes a big thing because Stucky says something and that starts the fight. And in every romantic comedy, there's a fight at this point, which lasts for 30 minutes and it's about nothing. It's usually just a miscommunication that can be easily solved. In this movie, it lasts about three minutes and the fight is solved by an explanation of her feelings and him understanding that, hearing that, and making a meaningful apology. And change. Acknowledging yeah. her feelings and where she's coming from and trying to change. It's that easy, uh, writers. Just do that. I hate, I every movie we watch, I would say, oh, and here's the manufactured plot, and I hate right. this part of it. This is the worst part of a good movie. And that happens in a lot of, like, really fun light movies. Yeah. Even. There's always a part like that that goes on for way too long with, with manufactured conflict mm-hmm. and it bothers me so much. It's usually just a lot of like best friends being like, he's bad and like the main character being like, but he's so nice or like so handsome. I always see so many of them are just like a misunderstanding yeah. of like, oh, well, I saw you with that person. So I hate you for the next 20 minutes. And then they talk and they're like, Oh, yeah, I was uh, just standing next to them in line at the bank. Or like, that's my sister. Why wouldn't that be a thing? <laughs> yeah. It's so easy to solve. And this one, not so easy to solve. It's no. not just a quick explanation. It actually required some depth of character. And that's why this is better than most romantic comedies. True. I'm not sure if it's my favorite romantic comedy. What's your favorite romantic comedy then? Roman Holiday. Oh, yeah. Okay. Roman Holiday is a top 10 all-time movie. Hard to beat Audrey Hepburn. Right? Yeah. And dare I say, I'm not a huge Julia Roberts fan. In this, she channels some odd. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then they have um, another conversation. And one of the lines that I really loved is when they're talking about kind of um, good aspects of her. And she says, but isn't it funny how the bad stuff is always easier to believe? Mm -hmm. I loved that. That's a good line. That one hits hard. Yeah. Do you have a favorite romantic comedy? Is it Pretty Woman? It may be Pretty Woman. Isn't it so good? Yeah. I've been talking about it for years. Whenever it would just come up, I'd be like, oh, that's such a good movie. You'd love it. And I'm glad you do. It kind of turned into a reverse episode. It did. But I felt like we just needed to like do it and get it over Because it was going to be a while before I could get to it. Yeah. And I needed to just like bring it up. I needed to do a bad one that you'd seen. So I thought, oh, not bad, but like a like common one that you'd seen that I hadn't, which yeah. is why I went glitter or pretty woman. Are you glad to be one with pretty woman? Yes, <laughs> so glad. We'll wait, wait until you see glitter. Maybe you'll like it more. Yeah, I'll be like, this is the pretty woman of the two of your generation. Yeah, this is the pretty woman of my generation. The pretty woman is the pretty woman of your generation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It is. Hmm. Then we get the scene with her in the red dress. Oh, the red dress. Which was pretty great. I want to be her when I grow up. Don't we all? (laughs) She was much younger than you in that point. I know. (laughs) It's funny because like I watched this movie, like I said, as like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. And this is also why I don't uh, believe a lot of those critics of who are saying like, oh, it's just glorifying what this terrible guy does. I never was like, oh, I want to be a rich asshole like that so I can buy a pretty woman. You want to be Julia Roberts. I didn't think I wanted to be her, 
But I was just utterly charmed by her journey and happy for her that something good happens at the end. Yeah. That was kind of how I felt at the end. I was like, I'm just so happy. Yeah. It's just really nice. It left you you with like really nice feelings. I love a sad ending. I feel like almost every movie should have a sad ending because almost everything in life has a sad ending. Except for Pretty Woman. (laughs) But we'll talk about it at the end. I I think it's a flawed ending. But I just want, this is one of the times where I'm like, I don't care if it's dumb, like, just make her happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I agree. But they go to San Francisco and we get the fun bit of her watching the opera Mm -hmm. and she loves it so much and she cries and I maybe kind of cry for her. It was, it was great. It was a beautiful scene. I liked it a lot. Did you cry watching it again? I don't think so. I may have had some mist, some, some moisture, <laughs> but there were no no tears were rolling. At least Moist that's for eyes, sure. Yeah. If tears were rolling, I'd remember it, and I don't remember anything. Else, so. <laughs> yeah, I liked um, the old the older lady in the box next to them. She's like, "How did you enjoy the opera, dear?" And she turns around and she sees her face is just like full of emotion mm. and everything. I almost peed my pants. Yeah, which is another one of those charming moments where she lets the mask slip because she's like so engrossed in where she is. I almost feel like we say that she forgets her manners or she lets the mask slip. Uh I like to think of it like she comes through. Yes. Because just as when she was working as a sex worker, the the true her comes through there every now and then too. Whatever she's doing, I feel like... Her on the corner was just as performative as her at the opera. But she isn't good at being performative, and that's her charm. Mm-hmm. And who she is always shines through, and who she is is incredibly charming. Yes. And of course, we mentioned it already, but it's it's very appropriate that what she's watching is something that mimics a lot of her own life. But mm-hmm. here it is in this grand, spectacular place Something that she probably never would have thought she would see someone like her represented in, in art, yeah. yeah. And and everyone, all of these Richie Rich is applauding it. Yeah, she's like, maybe there is a place for me. Maybe, yeah. So then, after the opera, um, she breaks her no kissing rule and she says, "I love you," thinking that he's already asleep. Right, but he hears but pretends to be asleep. Yes. Right. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. That's big. That is big. And also like a very standard rom-com thing. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel with very different implications here. Yes. Because him hearing that is different than like, I'm man-child Ryan Reynolds and like, I'm not ready for that. Like there's a lot more depth to yeah it is the same type of character it is a rich playboy who's not ready for commitment it's nothing new but i feel like how they go about developing him is just more nuanced has more depth perhaps yeah so then the next morning he offers to get her off the streets right and to yeah basically make her a capped woman Mm -hmm. which she takes offense to rightfully so um who she wants when she wants how much yeah and so essentially she'd be his property in a different city it sounded like and so i wasn't sure if that was just like when he comes to la or like what it would be but or maybe she's gonna go to new york he promised to visit her regularly yeah so i assumed that it was la maybe either way she would not have to worry about anything financially. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would say, like, 
take that, that's a better life. Mm -hmm. But that's not who she is. No. And she, her sense of self has been concrete throughout this whole movie. Yeah, she and wants it's no something different better for herself yep. done by herself. Yes. Not done by someone else. On her terms. Mm -hmm. And she admits, and we get into the more schmaltzy part of the movie when she says, like, no, I want the fairy tale. But she holds to it. It's mm -hmm. different than in a lot of movies where, like, I want the fairy tale and then they get it. She turns down a kind of like a life of leisure. Yeah. Because that's not what she wants. And it's not, I don't feel like she's holding out for, like, no, you need to come in and do it more romantically. It's mm -hmm. not that. It's like, equality or nothing yeah and she holds to it she does and i like that that she's not like oh never mind i'll take the money yeah. <laughs> like and i like that as soon as she go ho goes home she has a plan yeah she is going to change with the money she got she's going to, to make some changes yeah and she's gonna get a job she's gonna finish high school she's gonna move to san francisco and she's gonna like take herself away from this situation yeah and that was where the um i never treated you like a prostitute you just did bit was in that argument i think we talked about it earlier yes but that's we where did. it actually comes in and then they play um, It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. And you were like, yes, with your arms in the air. I think I sang quite loudly. You did sing quite yeah. loudly. You sang quite loudly a couple points in this movie. <laughs> you also declared, man, this is such a good movie. Or this is like, I love this movie. <laughs> so normally in, I would say, 90% of the movies we do, mm -hmm. I won't say any of my feelings Either way, until we record. And same with me. Like, yeah. we tend to not just, like, we just tend to not discuss it after yeah. we've watched it. And then we do the podcast. But I was having so much fun. I was like, oh, fuck, this is sweet. I yeah. love this. <laughs> and it was also because it was like a surprise to me. I kind of forgot how much, how good it was. So after Vivian kind of turns down his offer, Philip comes over and tries to, like, assault her. Who's Philip? Oh, sorry, Stucky. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. And then she leaves. Or was that before? Or is it after? Either way, yeah, that happens, and um, Richard Gere uh, pulls him off. Yeah. And punches him. Sends him out and fires him. And then um, he asks her to stay one more night. Oh, yeah, and says, not because I'm paying you, but because you want to. Yeah. And she says, I can't. Yeah. That that was surprising. You'd think that he's giving her the out of like, just accept this as romance. But she knows that it's not equal at yeah. that point. He hasn't done enough to, to sh prove it to her. Yeah, yeah. And then um, she gets a ride with the chauffeur from the hotel, who then also gives a ride the next day to Edward. And um, ends up driving him to her apartment. And then they have the big finale. When she is deciding she's going to leave, though, I love the goodbye scene with Kit. Yeah. That was really sweet because I loved when Kit is saying goodbye. She doesn't say, like, what are you doing? Go to him. Mm -hmm. She never says, go to him. You love him, even. She just says, I believe in you. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. I always yeah. say that, like, no movies have just women being friends just for the sake of being friends. Mm -hmm. This one does. And I like that uh, Kit isn't trying to get Vivian's money. She's just, like, they really, love each other. really happy for her friend and is, like, you go start that life. Like, you go 
go have a better life because it's not here. Yeah. She, I think she wants to leave the life, but is like more entrenched in it than sure. Vivian was. And she's on drugs and she's got like a boyfriend and stuff. So I think it would be a little harder for her to leave maybe. Yeah, we don't know as much about Kit and her yeah. complexities. But Vivian helps her out. Yeah. It's nice. So then, yeah, we'll go fast forward to the big scene. He comes on his white horse, which is his limo. <laughs> he has his sword, which is his umbrella. Yeah. How does this work for you? I liked it. I thought it was cute because they called other parts of the movie like um, the fact that he's afraid of heights. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it had to be the top floor. And yeah. she's like, it's the best. Yeah. And um, he kind of i found that the fact that she came down some of the stairs and he went up some of the stairs was kind of like a metaphor for equality absolutely yeah. i made note of that she didn't just stay in the window no. she went out there because she's active she's yeah. engaged that's who she is and so they kind of met in the middle and uh it was i liked it i liked the ending it was uplifting so this is another one where it's not my favorite heart but also i don't have something better it is the most silly yeah like he comes in and like goes up there because she had told the story about although it's not just like oh i always had a dream where a knight would rescue me yeah it's when my mother would lock me in the attic for being bad mm -hmm. i had the dream of a knight coming to rescue me yeah so it is still like really entrenched in a, a pretty grim reality yeah but it gets it gets a little silly but at this point i just kind of love her enough that i'm like okay whatever this is what you want you got it yeah and i was just willing to let it go you were on the ride yeah <laughs> i would probably end it very differently uh the original ending which very famously he um just drops her off and that's it oh he's like yeah it was i paid you here's your money bye oh I don't like that. Well, this started, it's it's pretty well known now, but it started as a drama and the guy who wrote it, I can't remember his name now. He goes by the two initials, but I think his first name is John. And he wrote it because he was living in that area and it was he had a lot of friends who were sex workers and it was just based off a story he mm -hmm. was told about how somebody brought her to vegas and like bought all these things and was spending so much money and then just dropped her off and then they never saw him again um jf lawton jf lawton yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah he wrote it on that and this was originally like a straight up drama and the ending was he drives to the corner they're in a big argument and he's like just had enough stops gets the limo to stop goes out and pulls her out of the car mm -hmm. and it is the where he picked her up and i don't think it's like he was dropping her off there it's just they happened to be going by there oh. so it's it's pretty symbolic that he's just leaving her where he found yeah. her pulls her out and says here's your money and she's like i don't want your money like we had maybe we had something more and then he just leaves the money on the ground and drives off and then she throws the money at him Saying, like, I don't need your money. And then uh, he drives off and then she realizes and just picks up all the money. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, I don't like that. I probably would love that because I am a, a dark, dark person. <laughs> but in this case, because of mostly because of Julia Roberts' performance, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't care how silly and sentimental it is. Yeah, give her the happy ending she yeah. deserves. 
And yeah, I probably don't have confidence that this relationship will last, but I'm not going to think about that. I'm thinking about her getting what she wants right now. And that made me happy. It did make me happy too. And they end with the line about, well, what does the uh, princess do when she's rescued? And she says, well, she rescues him right back. Yeah, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff about the making of this movie, but that's all easy to find if anyone wants to look into all of that. So do you have any final thoughts on uh, Pretty Woman? I loved it. It's a 10. A 10? Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) It was super fun. Um, And it was like really uplifting it was fun to see the characters that were in the princess diaries which is a movie i know pretty well Mm -hmm. um and uh it was fun to see the parallels between like a bunch of movies that we referenced a few julie andrews movies you know some audrey hepburn some some disney some disney yeah and this is a disney movie that's why it got that Mm. um rewriting Right. Oh, and then there was going to be a sequence with her and Kit going to Disneyland after. Really? That was before Disney bought it. Oh. So that's what Touchstone, I don't know if they still exist, but that was like the property for older, older audience, like serious Disney stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw that Touchstone, I was like, oh, memories. Yeah, I know. You were like, wow, that's, uh, takes you back. Do you have any last thoughts about your favorite movie ever? <laughs> <laughs> I I loved it. It was great. I had forgotten how good it was, so I'm really glad we got to revisit it. It's not like this movie doesn't have a lot of the things I dislike about a lot of those romantic comedies that you brought to me that I shoot down. Yeah. <laughs> it's that this movie shows those things for what they are. I feel like it doesn't shy away from things, and that's probably why it's R-rated. This is an R-rated movie. Yeah, I can Jaws see Jaws is PG in this is R. <laughs> I can see that. And probably why people would be really surprised if they watch it now, because they're like, oh, why is that in this nice romantic comedy? Because this has reality in it. Yeah. And yeah, it has a literal fairy tale ending, but there's a lot of harsh reality yeah. on the way to that fairy tale ending. A lot of suggestive content. Yeah. And not even suggested content. It's, uh, there's just content. (laughs) There's a lot of content. (laughs) So I, I love this movie. I think it's just a, we've been talking about this a lot lately on the podcast of whatever kind of movie you like, there's something that does it the best. Mm -hmm. I think this does romantic comedy the best. Hmm. It's very formulaic. Yeah. It has the exact same beats as like all of those Catherine Heigl or who's that lady I hate? Oh, uh, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson movies. It has a lot of the same beats. It's just, it takes out all of the annoying things and replaces it with either thoughtful reality or just heaps of charm. And that's something you can't like teach how to do in a movie, to just be charming. Yeah. Roman Holiday has a lot of it. Pretty Woman has a lot of it. Well, this very pretty episode of I Love This You Should Too is brought to you by the Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, like a certain Edward Lewis, you can be calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. And that brings us to another end of one of our great, great 
deep dives. Yeah. Did you have fun? I had so much fun. Let's just go watch it again. Okay. Watch it all the way through. Let's eat pizza and watch Pretty Woman. That sounds like a great night. <laughs> um, I don't often do this, but I, do, I have some recommended reading. Oh. There is a book by Mari Ruti, which is called Feminist Film Theory and Pretty Woman. It's 150 pages, and it's it's that. She does a, a lot of good stuff. Nice. So go check that out if you like this so much. Well, join us again next week. We'll each have a spoiler-free review of something we're into with our things of the week. And I'll let you know what we're going to be watching for the big deep dive. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you're going to pick. I'm excited to find out what you're super into next week. And uh, guys, it's almost spooktober. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're doing something special for this yes. Spooktober. I know we always do all spooky movies all October, but it's gonna be something different. We're changing it up. Well, the same, but more. For year four. Oh, it's gonna be intense. It's gonna be so spooky. It's gonna be really spooky. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye everyone. And, um, oh, I was going to say something really cute to say.